Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here alongside me, my partner on the airways, as always, Sarah Jones. And today we want to talk to you a little bit about retirement, specifically Roth IRAs. We had a great question come in from a listener, Tom in Phoenix, Arizona, asked about backdoor Roth IRAs. And we thought, hey, this is a good opportunity to talk about Roth IRAs in their entirety. And to do that, we also brought on a special guest today. Today we have with us one of the co-founders of New Money Habits and a financial coach in his own right. We have with us Mike Keneally. Say hi, Mike. Sarah, thanks for having me today. Um, I'm excited to talk about this topic. Talking about wealth building and retirement is kind of my happy place. I am by no means an expert, but I do have opinions and facts on the on the topic for sure. Well, we're happy to have you. Thanks for being with us. Um, as I said, the question that we got from a listener is more about backdoor Roth IRA, and we'll describe what that means and uh, and get to that a little bit later. But we thought it would be more appropriate to start off with what is a Roth IRA and how might it be different than a traditional IRA? Okay. Well, both types of IRAs are retirement vehicles. Um, both provide different types of tax benefits. Um, the Roth IRA specifically uses after-tax dollars so that it grows tax-free. And a traditional IRA uses pre-tax dollars, so you get the tax benefit now as opposed to delayed later with the growth. Um, and that thereby reduces your taxable income in the tax year that you make the, the traditional IRA contribution. All right. So tax now or tax later. Right. <laughs> You know, and I'm just going to jump in really quick and say that I'm really excited for this because um, as my husband and I are getting older um, and, you know, we're taking some of this, frankly, a little bit more seriously, right? When when we were younger, we didn't get, um, we didn't have a lot of people in our life that explained different types of retirement accounts to us. And even though we use the financial um, advisor, financial planner, um, you know, he went through things I felt very quickly. And I'll be real honest that some of it felt a little bit con confusing. And so I'm really excited for this and um, this episode just to learn a little bit more, um, especially for those of us that maybe have kind of started a couple of things and you know, maybe this is gonna help us to take the conversation back to our financial advisors, right? And have a different type of conversation with them. Um, and and um, maybe they'll be able to help point us in the direction that's super right for us. But so I just wanted to jump in and say, thanks Mike for being here because I'm really looking forward to, to hearing this so I can take the conversation back to, to the, the professionals that we're working with as well. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Oh, and I'm I think that you make a really good point. A lot of people, even working with a professional, they don't know what questions to ask. They get all this information dumped on them and then they're still confused and confused people don't act. So hopefully if nothing else that comes out of this is 
some clarity and some questions that you can, in fact, take back to your financial planner or your tax person or both, because everybody's situation is different. There is not a one-size-fits-all for retirement for anybody. And I think you both just touched on something that's really important that we should probably say at the top here, and that is none of us are licensed financial planners and none of us are licensed accountants. And so the three of us are here to have a conversation that hopefully opens our listeners' eyes and ears to what's possible so that you can go back and have conversations with those professionals who can advise you as to what you should do in your your specific situation. So I think if we talk a little bit about say like the pros and the cons and the differences between Roth and traditional, the the hope is that for you, our listeners, uh, it tickles your intellect and you think about, oh, okay, now I need to go have these conversations with my tax professional or with my financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> right? Take <laughs> Sarah's mean, lead. You know, that we're here to be real, right? And that's that's exactly. Um, and and I, just because um, I've had conversations with Mike before, but you know what I want to point out too is that I know that he's going to give us easily digestible information, right? It's not going to be like this overload that we don't know and, um, you know, and just like piling it on, right? So I'm just looking forward, Mike, to hearing all the, all the details, all your knowledge. Um, so it can help us maybe on our journey too. You bet. <clears throat> it's a complicated subject, a complicated but I will try subject, to make it as simple as possible. As simple as possible. <laughs> and we appreciate that. So let's, uh, let's give you the complicated questions then. Um, I know you, you defined for us the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. Um, but talk to me a little bit about how to, contribute to those two things. I, I get the tax benefit is different either now or in the future, but how do I contribute to a traditional or how do I contribute to a Roth? And maybe a little bit about why. So regardless if you choose to have a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, you can set it up as self-managed through a brokerage, something like Fidelity or Vanguard or anybody else out there. Um, and you can self-direct it or you can have it managed. The contribution limits for both are $6,000 a year, unless you're 50 plus, and then you have a catch-up contribution of an additional $1,000, so that would be $7,000 a year right now uh, if you're age 50 plus. Um, once you start putting it into the, into the IRA, all the IRA is, is kind of an umbrella. Right, because within that is where the investments actually live. And that's where your diversification starts to come in. So that may be invested in different types of mutual funds that have different growth strategies. And those are the kind of things you want to talk about with your financial advisor. Uh, because the IRA itself, if you just sit money there, it's probably going to sit in something like a money market account, really not doing anything for you. So once you get the account started and you start funding it, you want to make sure that there's an investment strategy supporting it. Okay. And so, so they both have the same contribution, contribution limits, but why, why would I contribute to a traditional IRA today or not and contribute to a Roth instead? So if you contribute to a traditional IRA, it's going to reduce essentially your taxable income for the year. So if you're, um, 
on the bubble on things like being able to qualify for the child tax credit and other credits like that, you're going to want to make sure that your your contribution to a traditional IRA, if that's going to put you under, you're going to want to stay traditional. It's going to put you under the limit so that you then qualify for the child tax credit. If you're not at risk of losing some of those credits, then the Roth IRA is probably the better vehicle because you're contributing after-tax money. So you don't get the tax advantage today, but 100% of the growth in the Roth IRA is tax-free. Whereas in the traditional, not only is the contribution taxed later, but so is all of the growth. So when you get to retirement age, 59 and a half, and you start to withdraw that money from a traditional IRA, you're going to start paying tax on all of it. And that tax will be at the tax rate that you're at at that time. So in addition to considering whether or not I'm going to miss out on different tax credits, I want to think about what is my tax situation going to look like in retirement versus what it is today? Will it be lower or higher? And if I'm a young 20-something, I may not know, but I can probably guess that my tax is going to be higher by the time I get to retirement age. Um, and as you get closer to retirement, closer to retirement that starts to become starts a little less clear. A little less clear. Also depends on also what you're doing to create income in retirement and all those other kind of things. A lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so let me say a little bit of back, a little, a little bit, bit back, back for, uh, for my simple mind. My simple mind. If, if, so one of the biggest benefits today, and I actually realized this myself last year, is by contributing to my traditional IRA, I was able to drive down my taxable income by, for me, because I'm married, $12,000. That was huge. That, that saved us a ton of tax money today. I guess, so... If I so contributed if I to my traditional to IRA, can I then IRA, also I then contribute also to a Roth after that? So you can have both so a traditional and a Roth IRA at the, at the same time. However, the contribution limit is still in play, meaning you cannot contribute more than a combined total of $6,000 per person into the IRA. So if you have two, you could do 3,000 to one, 3,000 to the other, or 2,000 to one, 4,000 to the other. But you can't do 6,000 to each. Okay. I did. I literally did not know I didn't that. know that. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's good information because I was not aware of that. Yeah. Hmm. I was under the false impression that because I was getting the tax advantage with the traditional IRA, that it didn't matter because I already paid taxes on any contributions to the Roth. I thought I had another $6,000 to go. So thank you for clarifying that, Mike. You bet. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So now, go ahead, Sarah. Well, and I'm, this might be um, premature in asking this question, but how might one, and I know that, you know, people, everybody's situation is going to be different, right? And they can talk to, you know, their, their accountant or, you know, CPA and, and their advisor. But do you have maybe any tips on how somebody might decide or maybe just looking at their situation, where might they want to start doing their research on what might be best for them? I really think that's probably really a discussion that's, that's probably absolutely best had with the tax advisor and with a CFP, certified financial planner, someone who's going to help you navigate that because there's 
as we've mm -hmm. already talked in this short period so far, you can see there's a lot of moving parts to all of this. There's probably advantages to having both a traditional and a Roth sometimes. Like if you just need that little bit of a uh, adjustment down on your taxable income to qualify for the child tax credit, you might put that in traditional and then the balance of the 6,000 in the Roth. That might be a strategy that your CFP and your tax guy could help you start to figure out. Gotcha. Okay. All right, and so at the top, I said we got a listener question about the backdoor Roth IRA. So we talked about traditional, we talked about Roth. What is a backdoor Roth IRA? Sounds scary and kind of illegal, doesn't it? Um, right, it sounds a little shady. <laughs> it's a little shady. Well, a backdoor Roth is not actually an official type of IRA, and you could also do a Roth 401k. I don't want to digress too much there, but backdoor is simply an informal name for a complicated process that allows you, that allows someone who whose income exceeds the thresholds to have a Roth IRA. And the way that works, maybe I'll take a step back. Let's talk about what the income limits are for having a traditional versus a Roth IRA. If you're single and your modified adjust gross income is less than 140,000 in 2021, 144,000 in 2022 single, you can have a Roth or a traditional IRA. If single and your income exceeds 140 or 144,000 this year, you no longer qualify. Your income exceeds the, the threshold for having a Roth IRA according to the IRS. Those same numbers for married filing joint are 208,000 in 2021 and 214,000 in 2022. You have to be under that in order to have a Roth IRA. However, if your incomes do exceed that, there is still a way to have a Roth IRA. And the way you do that you with, do a that, professional, with a professional uh, CFP is you you put your contribution into a traditional IRA and then immediately convert it to a Roth IRA. So you can you contribute your six thousand dollars after pre-tax money. You then roll it into a Roth IRA and you pay the tax on the contribution. But now it's in a Roth and it's going to grow tax-free for the rest of its existence. Okay, so let me recap a little bit of that again for my very simple mind. <clears throat> there is an income limit on a Roth. Let me clarify. Is there also an income limit on a traditional IRA? No, there's not. Okay. And so I make too much money. Said it another way. I make too much money to participate in the Roth. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that makes any sense to me. Why my income would matter. But okay, I make too much money to participate in the Roth IRA. So instead, I contribute my $6,000 limit to a traditional IRA, and then I can convert. So there's a different word. I can convert my traditional into a Roth. I'm going to pay taxes on it, but then from there on out, it grows tax-free. Correct. Okay. So, so the convert, like I, now I'm curious about the conversion. Cause I've heard, I've like conversion. I've heard that word a lot. Like, it sounds like a lot of people are converting traditional IRAs into Roth IRAs all the time. So then 
it doesn't sound as scary. Like converting doesn't sound nearly as scary as the word backdooring. Like, right. <laughs> right. Okay. You want to add the next level of complexity to this conversion? I'm happy to do that because there is a next level of complexity to it. It's not only okay. harder, it's just the next part. So let's say that, Sarah, you have a traditional area that you've been contributing to for however long you've been contributing to it. And you decide, you know what, this is the right time in our lives for tax reasons and everything else to go ahead and convert that traditional IRA to a Roth IRA so that it now grows tax-free for the rest of the time between now and we decide to start drawing down or taking contributions out of that, that IRA. You can take the entirety of that IRA, convert it to a Roth IRA, pay the tax on anything that was contributed and any growth, you can do that at this time. And now it's in a Roth IRA, so it grows tax-free from here forward. You can do that in one lump sum. You can do it periodically over a few years. However, you decide to strategize that with your tax people and your financial planner. And so at that point, you would absolutely have your traditional IRA and your Roth IRA. So there's no limit to converting traditional to Roth. It's not counted as a contribution because you're converting an existing IRA to a Roth IRA. You can still make your annual contribution of up to $6,000 that year. The one caveat there is because it was converted is you can't uh, take anything out of that, any of those contributions out for at least five years or until you're 59 and a half, whichever comes first. Because if you pull money out of a traditional IRA prematurely before retirement age, 59 and a half, not only will you pay tax on that withdrawal, you pay a 10% penalty to the IRS, which is the deterrent to not pull out of your retirement early. There's no penalty for withdrawing principal from a Roth IRA, which is why they put that five-year hold on not being able to pull contributions. Ah, the picture is starting to become clearer. So I might want access to my retirement money early. And if it's in a traditional IRA and I were to take just a withdrawal, I'm going to pay tax and I'm going to pay a penalty. But instead, I might convert it to a Roth I pay the tax, I don't get charged a penalty, but in in order for the government to still have control over my money, thank you very much IRS for controlling my money, I still can't take a withdrawal from that for at least five years or until I'm 59 and a half, whichever comes first, because they still want to have control over my money. Correct. And just to clarify, you can't touch the part that was converted. So let's say you convert part of a traditional to a Roth every year for five years. That doesn't mean you have to wait five more years to touch any of that principle. It's five years for the data contribution. That principle is now accessible. If I did $20,000 this year, in five years, I could touch that $20,000. Even if I did $20,000 the next four years and there was a total of $100,000 in that Roth. Correct. And then because I just put out some numbers, just because I love to use like 
solid examples. I want to go back to a point that you made, Mike, for our listeners, which is you can convert any portion of your traditional IRA, $5,000 of it, $20,000 of it, $100,000 of it. Right. It does not impact your annual contribution limit of $6,000 because these were contributions already made in the past. You're simply converting them. Correct. Interesting. I mean, interesting to a math nerd like myself. <laughs> what questions bubble up for you, Sarah? Um, you know, I think just going through all of it and thinking about, you know, our own accounts, right. And how does some of this, how might it impact us? Um, we're still pretty young, but the truth is, is we get older every single day. Right. And thankfully, uh, you know, a lot of us are denied that opportunity, but, um, you know, just thinking about, okay, you know, what do we have currently and, and how might this, so what questions now do I need to start taking back? Right. And, and writing down some of my questions, even to take back to, um, you know, our, our financial advisors so we can be having a different type of, again, a different type of conversation with them. Um, now is there, Mike, can I ask, um, what, how do you open a backdoor, like how do you create a backdoor Roth IRA? The custodial bank the or the bro brokerage firm that, brokerage firm that you're working with that you're working should be able to help you with that. The mechanics of actually opening that account. Okay. Yeah, that would be the best way to do that. Okay. So just contact whoever mm -hmm. the financial organization is that is handling that IRA for you. Handling that IRA for you today. Mm -hmm. Just tell them you want to look at starting to convert or just starting to fund a Roth IRA. You'd have to say convert because you need to open a backdoor Roth so you can roll into it. You want to start converting some of your traditional IRA to Roth and one of the next steps. Okay. Now, one thing, I'm sorry, let me hit on something real quick here. You know, sure. When you're considering, when you're considering making the change, making the or when change, you're going to convert some Roth, convert traditional some to Roth, one of the things you might want to consider is: have we had a career, more specifically, career, an impact, an income change in this tax year? In this tax Meaning, is our, has our income gone, gone down? And that's happened with a lot of people with COVID, or what, for whatever number of reasons recently, where our income went down. So we're going to be taxed at a lower rate now than we might ever be again for the rest of our working lives. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, that might happen. That, that might be might true happen, today. It might something might happen five years from now where that's true. When you have that opportunity to convert some or all of your traditional IRA to lower tax rate, that's the time to do it. The other thing, at least that I find a little bit attractive right now, is that the market's down. Wherever we are, May or June of 2022 right now, um, the markets are down. So my tr my so investments in traditional IRAs and 401ks are down. I would pay less taxes because I'm paying on a lower amount to to convert some of that rate. And knowing that the market always recovers and it's going to recover this time, this might be a good time for some people to consider moving some things out of traditional to Roth. Again, the tax implications are the biggest thing you want to look at. Mm -hmm. And that's really helpful because, as you said, you know, a lot of people just incomes, you know, jobs have changed certainly over the past couple of years. And um, even in my own life, right, with with um, um, just our financial situation, what we're being full time RVers, right, our, our income is actually um, 
decreased by about 50%. Mm -hmm. And so this is really um, sounds like a great time for us to take this information again, to be talking to our financial advisor and say, okay, you know, here's where we're at. You know, let's let's maybe take a, a more in-depth look at all of our accounts and see, you know, if this is something that we could be looking at, right? Yep. And and how does that impact us now? Yeah, and on that same note, yeah, anytime, same someone, note, has anytime an someone has income impacting event income in their lives, whatever that may be, um, you should probably uh, talk to your financial planner about how that impacts their plan for your money if it's a managed account, right? I mean. I meet with my financial advisor at a minimum once a year, sometimes once a quarter, depending on what's going on, just to touch base, make sure that their goals are in line with my goals and that when things like your, your income went down by 50%, well, they may have suggestions on some things, some money moves that they can make for you while you're, tax, while you're in a lower tax bracket. Okay, good information. All right. I want to circle back to something you said earlier and just provide another example because I, you illuminated the, the possibilities for me. I had an aha moment. So you're talking about um, how to even establish an account. And, you, you know, like you said, it's about reaching out to whatever financial custodial institution you already use, or if you don't have one, you know, researching and, and finding the the one that uh, suits your needs the most, but it's, it sounds like it's, and here's where I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's as simple as you want to establish a Roth IRA account. And then the way you're going to contribute to that. And let me not use the word contribute because that, that has connotations towards the, I have a $6,000 limit and I have income that I need to meet. So the way you're going to fund, put money into the Roth IRA, is through, is through a, um, a, a conversion. Right. It almost sounds to it me a lot like a rollover. So when I left an employer and I had a 401k and I didn't want them to be managing my, my retirement money and I wanted to manage it myself, I brought it into a traditional IRA through a rollover. So it sounds like this is very similar. It might not be called a rollover, but it's it's very similar in nature where you're establishing a new account and then the way you're funding that new account is with money from a different retirement account. Yep. You're exactly correct. It is very similar. And um, you clarified and I'm going to clarify again, they're actually converted funds. That's what they're called, not contributions. So as to avoid that confusion on what I can still future. Yeah. All right. So that doesn't sound as intimidating. So, I think the, the so net think net the, here the net is here if you know that you, know you are above those are income above thresholds those for a Roth, and Mike, you mentioned, I think it was 144,000 for a single person in 2022. 144 single, 214 married filing. 214, okay. So if you make more than that, know that there is a way for you to contribute. Not, don't use the word contribute. The there word is a way for you to put money into a Roth IRA. You just have to go through contributing it to your traditional IRA first and then moving those funds over afterwards. But you And being prepared and to pay being prepared to the tax, tax on that conversion. Yes. Okay. Which is why sometimes, especially if you're older like me, 
and you've got a lot of money in an IRA or 401k that you're looking to convert, the strategy might be to do it over a number of years to spread that tax liability out over a number of years. Right. Because again, if we just use made up numbers, if there's a hundred thousand dollars that you know you want to move, you probably don't want to pay the tax on a hundred thousand dollars all in one year. So then you might break that up over right. five years, 10 years, whatever. And that's why you want a CFP or an advisor and certainly a tax expert to help you make these decisions because the tax guy is going to be able to look at what is your income, what's the impact of this conversion going to have on your income, what's the tax rate going to look like for the whole thing. Good stuff. I'm trying to think if I were a listener, what other questions I would have about just Roth IRAs in general. I know me personally, and um, this might take us down a, a tangent that uh, we didn't intend, but Mike, I've been hearing a lot lately about Roth IRAs for kids. Mm-hmm. Do you have any any insight as to how, when, or why to do a Roth IRA for, for kids? When, as soon as you can, why, because it's an amazing growth vehicle, and how is just like any other IRA. So if the minor child has an income, you can open a custodial IRA or custodial Roth IRA that you as their parent or guardian are in charge of, and you can contribute up to $6,000 per year for them earned income or 100% of their earned income, whichever is less. So if they only make four thousand, you can only contribute four thousand. Okay, but if they make twelve thousand, you can can only contribute six. Okay. All right. Well, for all the parents out there, there you have it. If your child has earned income and they're a minor, open a Roth IRA for them today, and it'll grow tax-free for the rest of their lives. And for their heirs' lives, because we didn't talk about this, and I'll touch on it real quick. So a traditional IRA has what's called a minimum required distribution, which means at some point, the entirety of the account has to be drawn down to zero through withdrawals. And that's largely true because the government wants to get paid their tax on that investment of yours. And they don't collect any tax revenue on a traditional IRA until we start taking the money out. You can, someone can inherit the traditional IRA. They're still going to have to abide by the required minimum distribution and that account will eventually exhaust itself, pay itself out 100%. A Roth IRA does not follow those same rules. A Roth IRA can be inherited and inherited again with no required minimum distribution. So in theory, theory, you could fund yourself yourself $6,000 a year, have all the tax-free growth in a a, uh, Roth IRA, leave it to your kids. They could continue to fund a Roth IRA, never touch the principal, never touch any of it if they didn't need to, and and their kids could inherit. And that thing could continue to grow for a very, very long time. Wow. Okay. No minimum required withdrawals at retirement. Correct. Which makes sense. Can I ask? If you think about it, the taxes have already been paid. And in in the case of the traditional IRA, Uncle Sam just wants his cut. Okay. Right. 
was going to ask now if it's inherited and say the the I might not use the right terms here the person that inherits the Roth do they have to wait then until they are of retirement that 59 and a half to withdraw or can they withdraw because it's an inherited account um I can answer half that question confidently and I'm probably going to defer the second half so the, okay. the and I'll start with the second half the second half is um I don't know if they have to um wait but here's the thing about a, a, a Roth IRA there's no penalties for early withdrawal of a Roth IRA because you've already paid tax on it so you can pull money out of a Roth IRA kind of at any time principal right so if you contribute 6,000, you could pull that 6,000 back out. Um, now, as far as how it goes with the inherited IRA, I don't know. And now I'm fascinated to find out. So I want to, I want to clarify, because we did say earlier that if you do a conversion though, you're, you're going to have to wait five years before you can withdraw principal from a raw. But you also mm -hmm. said principal. So if I contributed $6,000 in the year 2022, I can take that back out. But if it grew, if it grew to $7,000, I'm not allowed to take the growth? I believe that is correct. Yes. Okay. Interesting. So would is, is it our understanding at this time, an understanding that we are not the professionals, but um, that you'd have to wait to to withdraw growth at retirement age. Correct. That is my okay. understanding at this moment. Okay. And I could be wrong because I'm not a CFP or a tax expert. <laughs> well, and what I really appreciate, and I, I think at this point, our listeners know too, that we're here to just talk about the taboo, to open up conversations that are not otherwise being had. And, and, you know, there are things that we don't know. We know enough to be dangerous. We know plenty enough to be dangerous. And that's why we also encourage you to go talk to a tax professional and your financial advisor before acting on any of this. It's just, we're here to have the conversation to open up the dialogue around something that, I mean, there, the, the interesting thing is all the information's out there, right? We could easily Google all this stuff, stuff and, and try to come uh, to these answers, but um, just because the information's out there doesn't mean we're we're talking about it. And I love that we're talking about it, and we're we're normalizing the conversation around talking about people's money and their strategy around how they manage that money, whether it's having a plan for their budget or having a plan for their retirement and and when to do certain things. Um, certainly. Well, Nino, I want to highlight something that you said there, too, because, you know, the information is out there. I mean, Google, you know, a lot of times it's our best friend, right? But but what I found is while the information is there, sometimes it feels very overwhelming, right? And and I don't know that I necessarily feel comfortable in what I'm reading, right? And how is this all piecing together? And I think what we've been able to do so far here is and I'm big into like easily digestible pieces, right? It's just little bits of information that allows us to listen to it and say, oh, that's what that means. Or, oh, that's what that's about, right? And and it doesn't feel so overwhelming now, even for me, right? After having this conversation and getting this information, because it, it was broken down in just these little, little pieces that 
don't feel so overwhelming. I actually feel much better. And this is the honest truth. Feel much better about this now, even after, you know, whatever it's been 30, 40 minutes. Um, because I don't pretend to know everything. And um, I've taken a lot of notes. I mean, I've got my notebook here, right? That I've taken a lot of notes, just some things that I wanna remember and things that I wanna talk to my husband about, right? And and um, some of our self-managed accounts also with our our um, planner, right? And and it allows us to now have a different, different type of conversation. I say that quite a bit. Um, so I really appreciate just that, the bits and pieces that aren't so overwhelming. Yeah, I and think if I can we add a couple of things to that too. To that is, is there are also Roth four hundred one k's. Some employers offer them, some don't. Offer them a lot of the same rules apply to a Roth four hundred one k that apply to the Roth IRA. And the, some of the same, the, a lot of the same, same questions apply when you're trying to make those decisions. On, should I go Roth? Should I go traditional? Should I do some sort of a split? Because you can have both as well. If you have an employer who offers a Roth 401k and a match, you're going to have both a traditional and a Roth 401k because their match has to go into a tra the traditional 401k. So again, that strategy about how do I want to adjust and take the tax advantage now versus later, that still comes into play with your 401k. And sometimes to a greater degree because you, your contribution limits to a 401k are significantly higher than they are to the IRA. So I wanted to point that out. The other thing too is uh, if, if you don't have a planner that you feel comfortable talking to, or you simply don't know one. I know that we at New Money Habits have some people in our network that would be happy to connect you to, to have these conversations that really will break it down very simply and patiently walk you through making these decisions as you're trying to make them. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you said that because I wanted to add that oftentimes we don't know what we don't know. And so it, it makes it challenging to know what questions to ask and Mike, to your point, we know um, some great advisors who are very patient and they, um, they're educators. You know, they like to help people get educated on all these different moving parts and how, and, and working through kind of scenarios about if I make this decision, how will that play out? And if I make this other decision, how will that play out? So that you can start to make informed decisions about what is the best retirement strategy for your money. Well, Mike, I cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us uh, on this episode where we took a deeper dive into um, the hopeful nature of money management, which is if I get on a plan and I take back control of my money, what is the end result? The end result is financial freedom and being able to talk about retirement and, and different strategies for how to do retirement. So thank you for spending the time with us today to, to take a deeper dive. It's been my pleasure. And I've been fun doing it. Yes, definitely. Thanks, Mike. I know, again, it's helped me take a lot of notes and, and be able to take different questions back to the people that we're working with. Um, so I appreciate this a lot too. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the new money habits podcast. I want to remind all of our listeners, if you're looking for helpful tools 
You can find those at our website, newmoneyhabits.com, different calculators and the uh, alike there. I also want to remind you that you can schedule time with Sarah, myself, or any other New Money Habits coach by visiting uh, the website or looking at the show notes below. Thanks for tuning in, and we will continue the conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.